2013. Uh, we are close to finishing up our series on the parables, and I uh, was looking through the last ones I had to teach through, and I don't know if we'll um, uh, if I'll uh, move on to something else kind of toward the end of the year. For sure, we'll finish them up by the end of the year, uh, but I sure have enjoyed going through these parables and, and learning the different truths that Jesus taught us. And again, I just uh, as I read through the Gospels, I try to put myself there as a 13th disciple, and I kind of uh, try to follow Christ around and and uh, through the Scripture, of course, uh, uh, be there and try to understand His teachings. And what 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 a wonderful uh, teacher and preacher our Savior was. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to read verses 45 and 46. This is a a uh, kind of sandwich in the midst of uh, several parables, and some of these we've talked about. Uh, but uh, very uh, maybe a, a term we use quite a bit. But let's break it down tonight and look at it. Let's talk about. We're going to teach through the par the parable of the pearl of great price. The pearl of great price. If you have your place, stand with me together. If you're able, as we read the scripture, Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one a pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. I pray that you bless us, bless the teaching and preaching of your word. God, help us to learn the spiritual truth, Lord, that you have for us to learn, God. And, and thank you for uh, the way you love us and care for us. And, and God, again, we just praise you for being our God. Help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, this is a, uh, a series here of different parables, kind of shorter parables that Jesus taught. And uh, again, right in the middle of them, he talked about uh, the pearl of great price. Now again, Jesus was sitting by the seaside. Great multitudes came to him while he spake many things. And uh, one of the things here he was talking about, of course, and Jesus talked a lot about, was the kingdom of heaven. And you know what Jesus was trying to do? Trying to uh, get men's minds focused on what they ought to be focused on. Amen? The kingdom of heaven. And uh, you've heard the saying before that a person is too heavenly minded and no earthly good. I don't believe that whatsoever. I tell you, I don't think I've ever met a Christian that was too heavenly minded that was no earthly good. But I sure have met a lot of Christians that were too earthly minded and no heavenly good, right? Amen? And so, no, it's appropriate. And God wants for us to be focused on the kingdom of heaven. Now, we see here, and I believe there's two different uh, truths, different directions we could go with this parable. So I'm going to give them both to you tonight and show you the truth from both. Uh, the first one that I want to look at is the fact, is the value of the life that we're living as a Christian. The value of life that we're living as a Christian. Again, Jesus is focused on the kingdom of heaven. And he likens that into a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I believe that this could represent the life as Christians that we're living, as we are uh, living for and uh, uh, have our eyes set on eternity. Uh, kind of what Jesus talked about when we lay enough up treasures in heaven. Take your Bibles real quick and flip back over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And the disciples here ask Jesus a pretty interesting question. And again, he's trying to, I believe, uh, through this parable, teach them the importance of, of living a life for him. Giving your life on earth in service to the Savior. Notice what he says here in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. 
And by the way, you know what? That's true. They did leave all and follow, follow Jesus. I mean, when the Bible says that when Jesus called them and they left their nets and followed Him, we're not just talking about a casual hobby they were involved in. These men were fishermen. Uh, no doubt they had money invested in their nets and their boats, and, and it was their business. It's how they took care of their family. And when Jesus called them, they literally left all of that and followed Him. So Peter was not speaking out of turn here when he said, We have left all and have followed Thee. And I think what Peter was trying to say, okay, Lord, we've kind of given all this up. Uh, you know, uh, uh, remind us again why we're doing this. And here's what Jesus said in verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come eternal life. What he was trying to tell them was that there was value in living a life for the Savior. Amen? There was value in that. And we see here back to Matthew chapter 13 when we see this, this, uh, this parable about the pearl. Notice what it said here that uh, the merchantman was seeking goodly pearls. Now, it's not teaching uh, by any means a work-based salvation, but it's talking about the fact that it's important that when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we need to make sure we secure it for ourselves. It's so important, folks, that listen, nothing would hold us back to keep us from the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Jesus made another pretty uh, interesting, bold statement about that. Uh, Flip back with me to Matthew chapter 5. And of course, this was His Sermon on the Mount. And here's how Jesus said the importance of making sure that we secure for ourselves the kingdom of heaven. Now again, we're not talking about works, but we're talking about making sure that nothing holds us back for number one, being saved, and then nothing would hold us back from living a life that pleases the Savior. Amen? Notice what He says here in verse um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. He said this, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that all thy whole body should be cast into hell. And what Jesus was saying here, he wasn't teaching you know, bodily mutilation per se, but he was t- telling us here that there's nothing on this earth more valuable than making sure we're ready for the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And then once we're ready for the kingdom of heaven living in such a way to where we're laying ahead for ourselves treasures in the kingdom of heaven. I like how the Apostle Paul put it. Flip over to Philippians chapter 3. This is Bible study tonight, right? Amen. We're good flipping our Bibles and going to, going to some passages here. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. By the way, who was Paul? Uh, Paul was a very prestigious man. Uh, he had uh, had uh, credential after credential. He was, the Bible says, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he, he was up there, and along with that position, uh, he, of course, he had power, but no, no doubt he also had possession. He had things of this life. Here's what, here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, notice here, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, notice here, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ. 
No, Paul was saying, all those things that I thought were important before, all those things I live for, compared to what I get to do now, compared to the fact that I get to serve the Savior and be part of His, uh, be part of the, His will for my life, I literally count them as done. Don't waste. Amen? Because folks, listen to me, nothing's more important than number one, being part of the kingdom of God, and then number two, living for the kingdom of God. Amen? Nothing's more important. And see, that's the whole problem. We get too caught up in the things of this life. We get too caught up in the things of this earth. We get so focused on the temporal that we have little time to live for the eternal. So Jesus here, back in Matthew chapter 13, is telling us the importance of the kingdom of heaven. Again, notice what he says about that. Uh, he said that, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Think about that for a minute. It was so valuable, he gave up everything else he had for that one particular thing because of the value in it. Now listen, folks, we're not talking about monetary value tonight. We're talking about eternal value. And I can tell you right now, folks, the things that matter for eternity are worth more than anything this world has to offer. And if you as a Christian will set your sights on the things of eternal value and live for things of eternal value, and you know what? Pay the price it takes to pay, number one, to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Of course, that is being saved, being born again. And some pay steeper prices for that than others. Right now, I know of a, uh, of a man uh, that goes to the church that I'm from up at Blessed Hope. In fact, two families. And uh, the one family, about uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, they were full-blown Amish. And uh, they were part of the community up north there uh, in the Odin area. And uh, they, uh, uh, someone from, from, from Blessed Hope was at the, the auction, left a gospel track on a table. This man got a hold of that gospel track and through that gospel track got saved. Him and his family got saved. And they literally moved out of the Amish community, by the way, to, to great cost to them. To great cost. The, the whole family was shunned. They literally were, uh, were, were, were to their family, they're basically dead to them. And, they, and you know what? They paid a great price to be part of the kingdom of heaven when it comes to the things of this life. Right now, there's another man going through the exact same thing. The exact same thing. And you know what? He began to read his Bible for himself. Surprise, surprise. And when he began to read the Bible, he started... Uh, by the way, here, here's his own testimony. He said this, I started reading the Bible to prove that we were right and everybody else was wrong. And as soon as I read the Bible, you know what I found out? We, we were wrong and the Bible's right. And you know what? He got saved. And now his family is excommunicating him, can't live in his house anymore, living in his car, living in his place of business because his family won't allow him back in the house anymore. Paying a steep price for being part of the kingdom of heaven. And not everybody pays that steep a price, but a lot of people do. Amen? So what Jesus is trying to say here, though, it's such of great value that no matter what it costs, it's worth possessing. Amen? And then again, it's worth living for. The life of, of, of eternity and of eternal value, is, it's, it's worth for us to give up everything for that one particular thing. Amen? And so the pearl of great price here. But I believe there's another teaching here, and maybe this is the main teaching, and this is what I'm going to spend most of our time on tonight. I believe that what Jesus is teaching us here is the fact of the price he, w- he was willing to pay for that pearl. 
the price he was willing to pay. You know, one of the great questions uh, that you, you can ponder is what is asked in uh, Psalms chapter 8, verse 4. And here's the question the psalmist asks. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? What, what a wonderful question. You ever thought about that before? Who are we that God would even want to have anything to do with us? Who are we? By the way, compared to God, folks, we're not much. Have you ever been on an airplane before? Have you ever flown? Look back down at this earth, and that's only at 30,000 feet. Look, realize how small everything is? I mean, you know what? You talk about feeling insignificant, just flying an airplane, and realize how small, and truth be told, compared to the large things in life, how, how, how uh, small and insignificant we truly are. And then compare that even on a larger scale to who God is. And you know what? I ask myself the same question. What is man? God, who am I? Why would you even be mindful of me? Why would you take the time to send the Son of Man to earth to, to, to redeem me, to be a part of me? Man, I don't know about you, but, but that, that's a, that's a uh, very uh, telling question here as you begin to think about who God is and, and what He did. And I believe that this parable of the Pearl of Great Price shows the love and sacrifice of God for mankind, specifically His church. Amen? Specifically His church. You see, folks, when Christ came, yes, He came for the world. Amen? In fact, in the Old Testament, all those animal sacrifices were pointing to the one day coming Messiah. And yes, Jesus did come for His people, the Jewish people. Of course, we know that. But folks, listen to me. He also understood that they would reject Him. And for the most part, they did reject Him. Praise God, He didn't just stop there, but He extended His love and mercy to the whole world, particularly to we as the Gentiles. Amen? Praise God for the love He has for His church. Now understand that Jews can make up the church of Jesus Christ if they will accept Him as their Savior. And there are saved Jews today. But most of Israel, for the most part, aren't saved. And they're not going to be saved until God redeems them to Himself during the tribulation period. By the way, that's what the tribulation period's about. It's about bringing Israel back to God. And since it's the focused on Israel, guess what? The church ain't going to be here for it. Amen? You know why? We're the bride of Christ. And particularly here, the love Jesus Christ had for His church. For His church. And so we see several things. The first thing I want you to see here is the person that's seeking. Notice what it says. It says that, like unto a merchant man, seeking. Amen? Seeking. And folks, let me just say this, all right? If you're saved tonight, it's not because you sought after God. Okay? Bible says we're all we like sheep have gone astray. You know who's the reason we're saved tonight? Because God sought after us. Amen. He loved us enough to make sure we got the gospel brought to us. Amen? Jesus Christ sought after us. That's what He says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, you can't be saved unless the Father draws you. All right, I still remember the night I was saved, and I remember that particular thing, being drawn to the Father. And that's God's great seeking love. Hey, that's the person that was seeking for us. Amen? And then we see here he was seeking goodly pearls. Now, that pearl, I believe, that pearl of great price, I believe it represents the church of Jesus Christ. The church. By the way, what is the church, all right? That word church means a called out assembly is what it means. And God has chosen to set it up in such a way that believers all around the world, there's called out assemblies of those church. And uh, we are the local body of believers, amen? Now, one of these days at the rapture, we're all going to be called up together and 
coming and He's going to present to Himself us together as one church. Amen? But right now, the church is consisted of local bodies of believers all around the world. And I believe that that pearl of great price represents the church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, that He might present it to Himself, I love this phrase, a glorious church. Amen? A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Let me just say this, folks. To be part of a local church like this one, it's a glorious thing. Amen? And by the way, when the church operates the way that the, 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 uh, our Savior set it up to operate, and we follow the Bible and the way it's supposed to operate, it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing. Not only is it a glorious church, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.14, it's an unspotted church. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Now right now, folks, truth be told, you know what? We're spotted. Right? We are. I mean, we're, we're still living in the flesh. We still have to deal with sin. We still have to deal with the things of, of, uh, of this world. But you know, one of these days, we're going to be an unspotted church. Amen? When He calls us out of here. By the way, that's why your flesh can't go to heaven. Okay, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This body's not made to live in eternity. Okay, that's why God's going to give us a new one. And you know what? One of these days, when, when He calls us to Himself, we're the unspotted church. How about this? A pure church. James 1, 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their infliction and to keep Himself unspotted from the world. Now, folks, I get it. We're not perfect, but we ought to be clean. Amen? We ought to be uh, living a life that pleases the Savior, and we ought to be living in such a way where, you know what? We're pure, we're right, we're clean before God. That doesn't mean sinless, but it means we can keep our sin confessed. And that goes right, right along with what he says in Ephesians 5.26, a clean church, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. And you know what God wants for His church to be clean? Amen? He wants to be clean. I ain't just talking about old spice and, and uh, head and shoulders and that kind of clean, although I think that's important too. Amen? We're talking about being spiritually clean. You know why? Because we're the pearl of great price. We're the church. And He sought us out. And we owe it to Him to live our lives in that way. Now we see here that the merchant man here, that he didn't just seek it out. He didn't just find it. But then you know what he did? He had to pay a price for it. He had to pay a price for it. And folks, let me say, Jesus Christ paid the greatest price that anyone could ever pay for the church. Amen? Think about what He paid. He gave up all the riches of heaven for it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For ye know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, that through His poverty we might be rich. Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. Think about what Jesus Christ did. And we're going to be preaching along those lines some this month as we preach on different aspects of the Christmas story. But you think about what He gave up for us. We're talking about the very uh, Prince of Heaven, the very uh, uh, incarnate Son of God as He sat there beside His Father on the right hand of the Father. And all the riches He had, folks, He was willing to give that up to come to be born as a baby in a manger for us. Amen? What a price He was willing to pay. He gave up the riches of heaven. You know what else? The Bible says that He uh, gave of Himself. He gave of Himself. The Bible says, By His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who gave Himself 
for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And on and on the Scripture could go, folks. It says many a times, who gave Himself, who gave Himself. What thing of value could be paid to redeem mankind for that, that pearl of great price? Nothing more valuable than the very Son of God Himself. Amen? Listen, He's willing to give Himself for us. God didn't just say He loved us. He proved He loved us. Amen? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us. That word commend, it means He showed. It means He proved. God didn't just talk a good talk. He backed it up. Amen? You know why? Because He gave Himself. Literally, God gave Himself for us. And you know what He gave when He gave Himself, folks? He gave His blood. Gave His blood. You say, preacher... You telling me that uh, you believe in a bloody religion? You better believe I do. Amen. You know why? Because the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And it took that shed blood on Calvary to save us from our sin. Amen? I'm going to tell you, we're never going to take the songs about the blood out of our songbook. We're never going to never stop singing about it. We're never going to stop preaching about it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen? The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 8, Take heed thereof unto yourselves, unto all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God. By the way, this is an admonition to pastors here, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know why I take my job so serious as the under-shepherd? Because I'm not the leader of this church as far as I didn't purchase this church. Jesus Christ purchased this church. I'm just here in His stead. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, this church belongs to Him because He purchased it with His blood. I didn't shed my blood for this church. Jesus Christ shed His blood. It belongs to Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And folks, let me just say this. If someone denies the blood of Jesus Christ, they're a heretic. I'll say it again. You deny the blood of Jesus Christ, you're a heretic. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, we can't be saved without the blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, think about this. Think about how prophecy fulfilled out. When Jesus uh, walked this earth, the, the Roman government was in power. By the way, the Jewish government, you know what their form of, of, uh, of punishment as far as uh, putting someone to death was? It was stoning. That was their form of punishment, to stone people to death. You ever think about that? Why did Jesus die by the hand of the Romans instead of the hand of the Jewish people? Even though they betrayed Him to death, it was the Romans that put Him to death. You know why, folks? Because think about it. What's one of the bloodiest forms of execution was the cross. And not just the way Christ died, but all the things that led up to His death as He suffered and His body was broken for us, as He was buffeted and and they smote His precious brow and they beat that crown of thorns into His head and they ripped His body apart with that scourge and they nailed Him to that cross. You know what that was all about? Shedding of blood. And you know why the blood had to be shed that way? So our sins could be atoned for. That's why. And then Jesus took that blood and the Bible says He put it, sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen? I'm going to tell you, that's what's so amazing about salvation. Because when you get saved and you, you trust in what Jesus did, God no longer sees you in your sinful condition. You know what He sees? He sees the blood. Amen? And that's why in God's eyes we're justified, which means just as if we've never sinned, because He doesn't see us. He sees the blood of His Son. 
That's why it's so important that the only way you can get to heaven is faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? Because it's through the blood. What a price that was paid for us. No wonder He was calls it the pearl of great price. Great price. Not just the pearl of price, the pearl of great price. Let me close out tonight by showing an example of this. And, and here's what I love, folks, because let me tell you what this means. This means that, yes, God loves His church collectively. God loves us as, as, as a group collectively. The Bible says that uh, Jesus Christ, uh, for God so loved the world. Amen? He loves everybody. But you know what's so amazing about it? Because He's God, He also loves us individually. And cares about us on an individual scale. And you know what? Even though, yes, uh, the, the, uh, it talks about uh, the, the pearl, or, and it represents everyone. Think about it. The pearl. Singular. Individual. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that if I was the only sinner on earth, Jesus Christ would have came and paid that price on Calvary for me. If you were the only one, He still would have came and paid that price. Because that's how much He loves us individually. Amen? Take your Bible. Go to John chapter 5. I'm going to show you here something really interesting. I love this. Uh, again, I, I love going to the Gospels, and I pray that you have a relationship with the Lord through the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, it'll change you as a Christian. Amen. I feel sorry for Christians who don't know and spend time in the Bible. You say, well, I want God to talk to me. Hey, He, he will. You know how? Just read the Bible out loud, and you'll hear God talking to you. Amen. If you think you got to hear Him with your physical ear, just read the Scripture out loud, and you'll hear it. Amen. But notice what we see here in John chapter 5. Let's uh, go back to uh, uh, the, the first part. Let's start reading verse 1. And this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So think about what was just said there, okay? In Jerusalem, there was this pool at Bethsaida. And there, literally, uh, the Bible tells us that the angel went down to a certain season would trouble the water. If you could be the first one in, you'd be healed. You think there was a bunch of people probably around that pool? I guarantee you there was. There probably wasn't even room hardly to walk through there. I mean, could you imagine, truth be told, you think about it, wasn't probably a real pretty sight. Probably pretty stinky there. Probably full of disease and all kinds of stuff that was there. Not, not a great place to be. But notice what we see in verse 5. And a certain man. Mm, I love that. A certain man was there which had an infirmity. Think about this. 38 years. Man, my goodness. 38 years he had that infirmity. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Think about that. How did he know that? How did he know that? That he knew he had been a long time in that case. I'll tell you how he knew. He's the son of God. Amen. He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But why I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, 
take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Let me tell you what we see here. Amen. We see Jesus caring about someone on an individual level. Amen. He came to where that impotent man was there. By the way, why did Jesus come there? What was the point? I guarantee you that wasn't necessarily uh, the way He was going. Uh, He had to go there on purpose. And Jesus made it a point to go to that place on purpose. And what I think is interesting about that story is there's all kinds of people there that probably need to be healed. But for some reason, Jesus knew what He knew to go to that man alone. Amen? He cared for him individually. And you know what? He, 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 he cared about him because he knew the man needed help. And for whatever reason, he saw something in his heart. And by the way, you go on and read the story. He didn't just get made physically whole. He got made spiritually whole. Amen? And maybe Jesus saw something in him that knew that he was uh, willing to not just accept the physical healing, but also to accept the spiritual healing. And you know what? Jesus, in all the places He could have gone, all the people He ministered to, He took the time to do what I call or, or make what was called an, a, uh, a um, divine appointment to impact this one man. By the way, He did it again in John chapter 4 when He met the woman at the well. Amen. Just a chapter before. And the Bible says that He must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there was someone there that needed Him. And while everybody else with the city was all, all the hustle and bustle, the city, the disciples went in to buy their food, Jesus took time to be by that well. Why? Because there was one individual He cared about. And so, yes, folks, He cares about us collectively. He's God. Amen? He's powerful enough to do that. But listen to me, He loves you on an individual level as well. And by the way, you are precious to the Savior individually. Amen? Individually. He knows all about us. Bible says that He knows how many hairs are on our head, amen, or face, whichever it may be, okay? He knows. The Bible also says, not only does He know our thoughts, He knows the intents of our heart. He knows before it becomes a thought. Think about that for a minute, amen? And so you know what? Don't let the devil sit there and discourage you and think that, oh, God doesn't know anything about me. God doesn't care about me. Nothing could be further from the truth because He's proved that to us. And you know what? We are in God's eyes. We are pearls of great price. Amen? Pearls of great price.